Holy Gospel is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. This will serve as the basis for our meditation this evening. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. He said these things, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You see it prominently placed in a home wherever the family gathers. Usually on some kind of a sign or plaque, maybe even a picture. You see it emblazoned on all kinds of shirts and other Christian swag. You see it in someone's brief little bio that they have on social media along with some other statements describing who they are. You might even hear it if you ask someone how they're doing and you don't have a lot of time. What is it that is in homes, on, on bodies, and everywhere conversation happens? It's a simple one word. Blessed. Now you might look at your family or your marriage and, and think, I'm blessed. You could look at a full pantry or your home full of that material wealth we like to call stuff. And you might think to yourself, I'm blessed. You have some success in life, whether in business or on the playing field or in the, in the classroom. It, it impresses people. And when they ask how you got to that point, you might answer them, I'm blessed. We like to tell everyone, that we're blessed, but how blessed are we? When you're feeling down, someone might even tell you, count your blessings. And so you have to go through the exercise of counting all the different things, all the different ways uh, that you've been blessed in the hopes that perhaps it'll pick you up and make you feel better. We are truly and richly blessed by our God. And blessed in so many ways. But what comes to mind when you hear that word, blessed? I mean, how, how would you define it? How, if you, do you know the difference? Like if you could say that the difference between being blessed and, the difference and not being blessed, or you look at a person and go, they're blessed. Let's think about how we, how we would define that word for a moment. Does being blessed mean being successful? Getting what we've worked so hard to have? having what you've always dreamed to have. Does being blessed mean having a pantry full of food, a closet full of clothes, a network full of friends, a family full of kids, and a life full of years? Does being blessed mean your life is so peaceful and joyful that never is heard a discouraging word and the skies are all cloudy all day? Or not cloudy all day, excuse me. 
Does being blessed mean you're strong enough to weather any storm, deal with any crisis, and bear any cross? At the same time, on the flip side of it, does it mean that you're not blessed if you fail, if you suffer need, if you face loss or rejection or even persecution, if you struggle, if you feel weak, if you find yourself being alone, anxious, or helpless, that's certainly what our world would tell us. But that's the difference between blessed and not blessed. You need to be brash. You need to be strong. You need to be self-sufficient. You need to have it all together to really, truly be blessed. And so it's kind of funny that Jesus this weekend walks into our midst, sits down on a hill, and turns all that upside down. He takes our very 21st century American way definition of blessed and, and, and just flips it. He blesses those the world would never bless. He blesses those whom our world would consider to be doormats. And he gives them nothing less than the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus teaches us in his most famous sermon, blessed are the unlikely. Now, large crowds were following Jesus. He had started preaching and teaching publicly. He had was healing people of every disease and sickness and crowds from everywhere were coming to hear him preach, to listen to him teach, and to perhaps have their ailment healed, whatever that ailment might be. People were coming from everywhere. It wasn't just the, little re the region of Galilee, but it was they were coming from the north in Syria. They were coming from the south in Jerusalem. They were coming from across the Jordan River and across the Sea of Galilee and the eastern Greek-speaking cities of the Decapolis. Thousands of people were coming to Jesus, drawn to him like metal to a magnet. And so one day as Jesus looked out at these large crowds that were just growing and gathering and coming to him day after day, he, sat, he began to preach and to preach a sermon. He didn't do it from a, a pulpit or an ambo like this one. He didn't do it from out on a stage somewhere. He simply went on a little bit of a hill, a little rise, and he sat down and he began to speak about the kingdom of God and what it means to follow him. And it all started in a very unlikely way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, blessed are they? I mean... Jesus doesn't say blessed are the rich in spirit or the wealthy in spirit, but rather the poor in spirit. What does that mean to be poor in spirit? I mean, imagine standing before God someday and, and your natural instinct is, what can I offer to him? What can I say? Here, look what I've done. Look at my life. I've been pretty good. Maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, I've been an 8 most of the time. Maybe a 5 or 6 on other days, but you know, I've been an 8 out of 10 most of the time. Yet what does God say? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 10 out of 10 all the time. And if that's the standard, God says, if you're going to get yourself into my heaven... If that's the standard, is there any way that we can measure up? I mean, can you and I come before the Holy God with anything that can make God say, yeah, I want you in heaven. I want you to be here because you deserve to be here. 
After all, don't we naturally think we have so much to offer? God, look, look, God, look how great I am. Look what I got going on. Yet he would still say no. You see, not a single one of us has anything we can bring to God to make him look at us with approval. When God demands holiness, we've gone the totally opposite direction. Have we not proven our unworthiness with selfish, loveless, hurtful thoughts or words or actions? Do we not daily prove that no matter how hard we try, we still deserve nothing but rejection and condemnation? And when we finally despair of our empty attempts at holiness, only then can we truly understand how desperately we need a Savior. And that's when we truly become poor in spirit. We can never earn God's favor, but we humbly recognize that the only possible way we can have anything before God is through faith in Christ. Being poor in spirit means clinging to Jesus to accomplish everything for us. His perfect life, His innocent death, they accomplished for us what we could never accomplish. Jesus became poor for us so that He could make us rich. What did he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No other inheritance or treasure or wealth that we might have in this life can possibly compare to that. And yet Jesus gives that to the most unlikely. But he continues to bless the unlikely here. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted Those who mourn. The life of a Christian is a life lived beneath the cross, which means that life is never easy. There's moments. There's moments when things are really great. And then the rest of it is still under the, beneath the cross. And that's because we are sinful human beings living in a sinful world and we are dealing with constantly with the effects and consequences of sin, ours and those of others. You disobey God and guilt for your sin sets in. And if you just let that go and you let that guilt just linger for days or weeks or months or even years, it just eats away at you. It, 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 it rots at you and decays your soul. You disobey God and, and, and that guilt and then it just kind of adds up. Something else adds up to that. And the older you get, the more you grieve as you recall uh, sins from the past consequences they incur and the punishment they deserve. You grieve over the trouble that comes with living in a sinful world. People we love sin against us. They let us down. They fail us. The world around us seems to keep getting worse as it keeps to swirl and swirl down into the toilet of, the, of life. Death snatches away loved ones and looms in the shadows over us ready to take our souls away too. For the blessed unlikely though there's still comfort. As Paul reminds us, we do not mourn like those who are without hope. Though we still face the consequences of sin, we are not without the comfort of God's forgiveness in Christ, earned on his cross and in his empty tomb. And one day in the glories of heaven, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes and every reason for sorrow, every reason for grief and loss and pain. Here we mourn. But even then, Jesus comforts our souls such an unlikely blessing. But there's more. Blessed are the gentle, 
because they will inherit the earth. Now, when you hear that word gentle, you might not think, ooh, that's, going, that's definitely what I want to be. I want to be gentle. Yes, that, that's just impressive in our world. Gentleness. You see it everywhere or not. Gentle doesn't necessarily fill you with confidence when Jesus says, blessed are the gentle. But there is strength in, there is strength in gentleness and patience. The gentle are those believers who do not insist on their rights or their way or that they get what they want but endure suffering for Christ's sake and for the sake of their neighbor with complete dependence on the Lord of grace. They're willing to set aside what they want for his sake and for the sake of others. With confidence in Jesus, the gentle believer possesses a strength that many can only wish they possessed. This is only possible because God's holy people know who delivers us. God's gentle believers know that the Lord delivers us. Jesus blesses us with the inheritance of the earth for us and for our good. Think about that. For us, for our good. God guides all of human history. Guides human events, all these things for us and for our salvation. For us, God preserves the earth and doesn't wipe it out of the universe so that he can give to us the new earth someday. Now, that's not the only unlikely blessing that our God has for us through our Savior Jesus, but instead, he also has something for us too because we do get hungry and thirsty, but we're not talking about food and drink here. We naturally hunger for what we don't have. When you get physically hungry, you, you want some food that you don't have. You get thirsty, you want something to drink. As the blessed unlikely, we hunger and thirst for what we do not have. And what is it that none of us has? Righteousness before God. We can't, we can't get that ourselves. And yet to hungry and thirsty believers, Jesus promises, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be filled. Righteousness, as we've already heard a couple of times here, can only come through Jesus. He provides satisfaction for your soul. Your daily sin, it leaves you hungering. It leaves you thirsting for the righteousness only Jesus provides. And so your soul yearns for more day after day. That thirst for, for righteousness, it moves you then to drink deeply of the living water of the gospel, of the good news of our Savior, that you want others so deeply that you, you drink of it that you want others to enjoy it too. Each day you hungrily consume God's word and return to your baptism for your renewal. You regularly gather with your fellow believers here to partake of that great feast of the gospel and word and sacrament. You don't pass up opportunities to partake of Christ's forgiveness at his holy supper. Only through that gospel will your soul be truly satisfied because there you find Christ's righteousness for you. So with Christ then in you, you are righteous before God. Such unlikely blessings, right? Yet Jesus continues to bless us. He doesn't hold back. This is kind of like Christmas all over again. Blessed are the merciful because they will receive mercy. We have seen and received God's mercy in Christ. And so what do we do with it? We now get to show that mercy to others in our lives. Christ became poor that we might become rich so others 
that we can show mercy to others in our lives so that we can show that mercy that has been shown to us to those in need spiritually and physically. So you show loving mercy to every soul. No matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, no matter where they're at economically, uh, no matter what's going on in their life, no matter even how they smell. Because Jesus showed you mercy. Jesus blesses you with mercy, and through you, he blesses others with his mercy. And it just keeps going like that. Jesus continues, Blessed are the poor in heart, pure in heart, because they will see God. Here Jesus speaks of those who have been cleansed by his forgiveness. He's not saying that you have to somehow generate purity and holiness inside your heart, but instead you've been cleansed by his forgiveness, and therefore you are able to act and speak not with hidden motive or selfish interest. Instead, those who are pure in heart through Christ are true and honest in all things, trusting completely in the God of all grace who has cleansed them. Made holy in the blood of the Lamb, you display that truth and honesty in your life. Being made pure in Christ's blood also means that one day you will see God without fear of destruction. I mean, think about that for a moment. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In the Old Testament, we're reminded that you were not able to see God, and if you did, you would get dusted. You would just, dead, gone, vaporized. But you have been made pure in heart. You've been made holy by Christ. And so someday, with your own eyes, before the holy God, you will be able to look at him in the face and not fear judgment or destruction at all. Because you've been made holy. Here's one more. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. What's so unlikely about that? Kind of praise those who can make peace, but the fact is, is everything is about victory and conquest and getting and power and getting what I want. But Jesus promises blessing when we display his peace in our lives. With his own blood, Jesus reestablished peace between us and God to make us heirs of eternal life with the privileged status of being the sons and daughters of the king, the heirs of eternal life. And so now we live by faith as holy children of the king. We seek to live in peace with others in this hostile world, but not peace at any price. No, we cling to the gospel that provides true peace with God through the Prince of Peace. Jesus has laid out for us just this beautiful banquet of blessings. Blessings for the unlikely. But the last one, the last one is probably the most surprising and the hardest for us to hear. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In a world growing increasingly hostile to Christ and the Christian faith, this blessing might be the hardest of all. I mean, who of us wants wants to be insulted? Who of us wants to be slandered? Who of us wants our reputation or the reputation of our fellow believers to be dragged through the mud because we bear the name of Christ? Who of us wants to face persecution 
even push back from people we know and people we love and people we work with. And to do so for the sake of Christ. On one side we go, okay, yeah, that's something I need to do because I'm a follower of Christ. At the same time, there's also the human, the very real human side of it going, I don't really like to get insulted and slandered and persecuted. I don't really want to go through that. But did not Jesus face contempt and rejection, pain and death, so he could take up his power and reign forever? As a, an old Lutheran theologian once said, that sets the pattern for all who follow him. To the persecuted belongs the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who face that rejection and slander and insult for the sake of Christ. And what's even perhaps a little stranger in all of that, but yet even more encouraging to us is this. Jesus tells us, when that happens, rejoice and be glad. For in that suffering, we are brought into full communion with Christ. We, we, are, we are united with him. Our lives are wholly centered on him. And his own disciples who heard these words, one day after they faced suffering and jail and imprisonment and all of that for his sake, they got back together and goes, yeah, we suffered for the sake of Christ. And they rejoiced in him in prayer. And I imagine the people around him go, you guys are weird. But the fact is, is in that moment, Nothing else matters more. And to think that Jesus says for those who face such insults and slander and contempt and rejection and even worse, we're in the same company of the prophets of old like Isaiah and Jeremiah and all those other prophets who suffered for the sake of the Messiah. Blessed are the unlikely Jesus promises not to keep us from struggle or pain or cross. He doesn't promise that we would not face a martyr's death or persecution. Yet through our weakness, his grace shines more than sufficient. His power is on full display through us in our weakness, in our unlikeliness. And though we are the unlikely, we need not be helpless or hopeless, but through Christ alone and in his grace, we are truly blessed. Amen.